He's holy. He's holy this morning. We have the wonderful privilege to join in with the angels in heaven. I want you to know you're in a, you're in a service this morning with millions. <laughs> because as we gather here this morning, it's not just here, but in the spirit realm, in the heavenly realms, we join in with them in declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. He's holy, and he's mighty this morning. We serve an awesome, awesome king. Amen? It's the truth. Well, I'm going to be sharing the word this morning. My pastor is out of town today, and uh, I sure do miss him. (laughs) We have a wonderful pastor. I love him, and he's on his way back uh, today from vacation, and I can't wait till he gets back and and, uh, uh, hear how his time was. But he's given me the privilege of sharing the word this morning, so I'm going to to get to to do that. But before I do, I, I was told a few minutes ago that there is a, a young lady in our, in our midst, uh, Betty Couch, turned 90 years old today. And I want to honor this saint. <laughs> if you know Betty, you know that she's got more fire and energy, and I just pray that I can have that at 50. I <laughs> love her dearly. I love her so much. I'm going to share this morning about Jesus, about encounters with Jesus, and start off by just asking you this morning a question. How many of you know who the Lone Ranger is? How many of you grew up on episodes of the Lone Ranger? Yeah, me too. I think we're aging ourselves here. I love the Lone Ranger. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> I love the Lone Ranger. I don't know if it was the mask that he wore or if it was the Indian that he stood with, Tonto. I mean, what a name. <laughs> the Lone Ranger taught us uh, that a masked man could fight for justice. And Tonto taught us Kimosabe. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, maybe, you, maybe you do and you can tell me afterwards. I kid you not, I watched an episode not too long ago, and I just want to quote Tonto. Woman with pretty face and evil heart make them trouble. (laughs) Now, that's honest truth. That's a quote from Tonto. (laughs) I love the Lone Ranger because at the end of every episode, it's amazing how they have this little gathering of people that are all standing there side by side, and they begin to reflect upon their encounter with the Lone Ranger. Here's a couple of them. The masked man has a way of making people understand themselves. One lady says, who is he? Why, ma'am, they call him the Lone Ranger. Another, mister, mister. It's too late, Annie. He's already gone, but he'll be back as needed. He's a fine kind of man, willing to help honest people and get a new start. He's the Lone Ranger. And finally, a masked man on the side of the law, I still don't get it. I didn't understand it either until the Indian told me, We've been face-to-face with a legend. He's the Lone Ranger. This, this encountering the Lone Ranger. And then I love it because at the end of the episode, it's as if Tonto and the Lone Ranger have somewhere to get urgently as they ride off quickly. And you hear in the background, Hi-oh! Silver and away! Yeah, you've seen it. Well, that's a fictional character. But today I want to talk about someone that's not a fictional character. His name is Jesus. I want to talk about encounters 
with Jesus. And so, um, if you would, I want you to stand. If you'll open your Bibles to John chapter 8, we're going to read the Scripture. Ask God to speak to us this morning. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all of the people were coming to him, and he sat down and he began to teach them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman's been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? And they were saying this, testing him, in order that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, and he wrote in the ground. When they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone. And again he stooped down, and he wrote in the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone, and the woman where she was in the midst. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way. From now on, sin no more. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning. God, I I pray that your word would come alive inside of us. Lord, as your, as, your, as your word teaches us, God, I pray that we would be transformed. And I ask you, Lord, to take these few moments as we study your scriptures to move in our hearts and our lives. And I thank you, God, for this word in Jesus' name. Amen. It's an incredible encounter. It's an incredible encounter for this lady who has been drugged in after being caught in adultery in the act of adultery, grabbed, brought in to the temple, nonetheless, laid before Jesus with a mob of angry Pharisees and scribes with stones in their hand, ready to throw at her and take her life, questioning Jesus. Jesus, what would you say that we do? Because the law says that we're to stone her. Now, I love this because Jesus does something remarkable here. The scriptures say that he begins to draw in the sand. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to what that could be. A lot of commentaries have suggestions as to what that could be. I know for me, my personal belief is he's starting to write names down. The names of the men that are there with the stones in their hands is what I'm thinking. The name of an individual and then a dash, maybe their sin, lust. Maybe the name of another man and their sin, Adultery. Maybe the name of another man. Thievery. Maybe another name. Another sin. One by one, they begin to leave. The scriptures teach us. It says that something gripped them and, and they threw their stones down and they exited. Now, <clears throat> I just can't help but think about this woman what she must have felt like, what must have been going through her heart and in her mind, the shame, the fear, the fact that she's about to be put to death. And she may even be processing that. I've just got a few minutes left. And and these men that are here with these stones, they're about to take me out. 
And Jesus, so very calmly, writes in the sand, changes everything. He asks her, where are your accusers? Are they not here any longer? Where's the ones that want to condemn you? Is no one here to condemn you? No, Lord, there's no one here to condemn me. And Jesus says, well, listen, I don't condemn you either. If you're taking notes this morning, and this is the first point that I want to bring out this morning about Jesus, this encounter with Jesus, and that is Jesus is not condemning. Now, I know you may think that that's, everybody should know that, but I tell you what, I've, I've been around the neighborhood a couple of times, and some of the Christians I've bumped into, I think they think they have the spiritual gift of condemnation. By the way, that's not a spiritual gift. Here's the definition of condemning. To pass adverse judgment upon somebody. To inflict a penalty. To belittle someone for wrongdoing. Jesus said, I have no condemnation for you. That ought to cause every one of us in this room to take a big sigh. Because the enemy loves to come and tell us that we are condemned and we are uh, failure and that we could never get things right with God because uh, we struggle. And, and, and I want you to hear something this morning. Jesus doesn't condemn us. He doesn't condemn us. John 3.16. We love this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge it. Another version says to condemn it. But that the world should be saved through him. Now, do you understand something this morning? If anybody could have thrown a stone, it was Jesus. Remember, is there anyone without sin? If you're without sin, you can throw the stone. And here is Jesus, sinless. And he could have thrown the stone. He chose not to. Jesus is not condemning. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I love that. I love that. Because I live in a world that constantly wants to condemn me for my struggles and my failures. I live with pressures all around me of of lies that come and say, you're not worthy, you can't. So you deserve punishment. You deserve the worst that you can possibly get. Salvation is too good for you. Jesus, there is no condemnation in him, and I'm grateful for that. I want you to know something. He's not condemning. The second point I want to point out very quickly is this, that Jesus is not compromising with sin either. You say, well, well, what are you saying there? I, I thought there was no condemnation. No, he's not condemning, but because of his love, his great love for this woman, he says, go your way and sin no more. I want you to understand something. Jesus is motivated to tell her to sin no more because he understands that sin will absolutely produce death. The Scriptures teach us that. In Romans chapter um, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul writes, For the wages of sin is death. Listen, we have to understand as a people, we cannot walk in sin and play with sin and not believe that there will not be consequences. 
Jesus is saying to this woman, listen, I want to tell you something, dear one. You are not condemned. Now stop the adultery. Stop it. Sin no more. It's all motivated by love. James chapter 1, verse 15 says, Each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. And when his lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. But I love Jesus. I'm so grateful for Jesus. This woman, one minute, facing death, and rightly so, according to the Mosaic Law, And Jesus, because of Jesus, in one minute she's dying and being put to death or about to be. And in the next, she's set free and said, you're free. Sin no more. I love Jesus because he's compassionate. He's merciful. And he's full of grace. And if you're taking notes, point three is that very thing. Jesus is merciful and full of grace. Mercy. Not receiving what you deserve. I want to tell you something this morning. <laughs> Thank God for His mercy. Thank God that His mercy has been made available to us. Because the truth is, we're all a bunch of rascals. And we've all fallen and got into things that we shouldn't have. And we've done things that we shouldn't. And we deserve death because of it. But thank God, because of His mercy, He doesn't give us what we deserve. In fact, He's full of grace. He gives us something that we could not earn. We didn't deserve His love. We didn't deserve His mercy and His grace. We didn't deserve the fact that He made a way for us to live and not die. Our sin judged us. But Jesus came and He gave His life that we may not have to fall and die because of that. He paid a price that we might be set free. He is full of mercy and full of grace. What an encounter with Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. I want to show you another one. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. A woman has a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone. This is Luke chapter 8, verse 43. So this woman has a hemorrhage for 12 years, could not be healed by anyone, came up behind Jesus, touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the multitudes are crowding and pressing upon you. And Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I'm aware that power has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and she fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I I absolutely love this encounter with Jesus. Here's a woman. Maybe she's a house mom. Maybe Maybe she's got a relationship with a husband, and she has children, and life is wonderful, and things are well, and she begins to bleed. The Bible says she has an issue of blood. And she begins to bleed, and it goes for a week, and then maybe a second week, and she's thinking something's not right. So she goes to the physician. I don't know what's going on. And and she pays for medical attention and help, and, and nothing changes. And then a month goes by, and she's still struggling, and her family's wondering what's going on. And 
People are taking note that something's happening with her and three months go by and now it's becoming a bigger deal and, and uh, somebody brings out the Mosaic Law and says, uh, she's unclean. A year goes by, she's unclean. Anything she touches becomes unclean. Any person that she's around becomes unclean. The husband has to say, if she has a husband, I leave you, I can't, I can't be with you. The children have to say bye to their mother because she's unclean. And if she's with her children, then they become unclean. And so they separate from her. She can't go to the temple and worship because she's unclean. And there is no unclean thing that can enter into the temple. And and she's an outcast. And two years go by and three years go by. And she's still trying to process what's going on and how could this happen to me. And I don't understand. And she goes to physician after physician. And she pays all the money that she has. and, And it runs out and nothing changes. Five years, six years, and her mind starts convincing her that I am unclean and I am unworthy and, and I have nothing and I'm all alone and no one will. And she begins to beg and she begins to live in the streets and ten years go by and now she's almost like an animal because everything that she had that was precious has been stripped from her because she's unclean. Her thinking. She becomes the thing that she's thinking. I'm worthless. I'm filthy. I have nothing. I'm unclean. They say I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And there's nothing that she can do. 11 years. 12 years. Laying in the streets. And she begins to hear murmuring of this man named Jesus. And she begins to hear stories as people walk by her and pass by her. Did you hear what Jesus did for the lame man? He, was, he, was, he couldn't walk and, and Jesus touched him and he got up and he walked and, and he's no longer lame. She hears stories of a, of, a, of a woman that was blind, a man that was blind and he's received his sight. She hears about men whose limbs were withered and, and drawn up and Jesus just touched and, and, and life was given and, and things were creational gifts taking place. Jesus! She's laying there in the street and she begins to hear a crowd down the road and she's hearing shouts and she's hearing people that are rejoicing and declaring great things and she begins to wonder in her mind, I'm so filthy and what's coming down the road? And she begins to hear people shout the name of Jesus. And I don't doubt for a second she probably thought, oh, he's the one that can change everything. But I know immediately her thinking process was probably but he could never do that for me because I'm unclean and I'm, I'm, it could never happen for me. It will never happen for me. And the crowd gets closer and the, the shouting gets louder and people are, are calling out the name of Jesus. And for one second, she begins to think, but what if? What if this could be my time? What if this could change everything? The crowd draws very close and she begins to see him. And the Bible says that she works through the crowd and she touches the hem of his garment and immediately she's healed. Immediately. I love it. Can you imagine what's going on in her mind? Can you imagine? It stopped. Something has happened. it's, It's changed me. And immediately Jesus goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody touched me. I love Peter. Uh, Jesus, a lot of people are touching you. Come on. We've got to get down the road. 
Jesus says, no, you don't understand. Somebody touched me, and there has been power that has been released from me. Somebody touched me. The woman, in great fear, says, Lord, it was me. You t- I, I reached out and I touched you, and, and I made whole. My life has changed. I've stopped I've, st- I've stopped bleeding. I'm, I'm healed. I love that. I love that story. Brings me to my fourth point, and it's this. Jesus is all-powerful and has made a way for our salvation and freedom. He is all-powerful. He's almighty. There is nothing that he cannot do. Can you imagine <laughs> the interview with her? We understand you had an encounter with Jesus. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. Can you imagine the excitement and the joy as she begins to talk about what happened when she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, and now she's been transformed, now she's been changed, immediately, immediately healed. I'm here telling you this morning, someone in this place has been struggling for years and years and years, and I'm letting you know something from the Lord today. Immediately, God can take your circumstance, and he can change it. You've struggled for years. You've been under bondage. You've, you've been tormented. Whatever it is, I'm telling you this morning, in a moment's time, Jesus can change everything. You bought into a lie. You believed a, a, a lie that he could never do it. But I'm here to tell you, he can do it. He's all-powerful. And I'm going to confess something to you. I prayed for every one of you. You are here by divine appointment. <laughs> I prayed that God would bring every one of you in this place. And I said, God, bring them in because there's a word that you have for somebody. And I don't know who it is, but I believe it's a word to tell somebody that for years you've been under bondage, you've been under struggle, you've been hurting for years. And rightly so. Because this world is cruel. And life's not easy. But Jesus saves. And He can take the brokenness that you're experiencing and the hurting and the pain that you've got and He can absolutely turn it around and lift you up and say, you are a princess. You are a prince. You're a prize. You're no longer unclean. You're no longer unfilthy. And it can happen immediately. Immediately. I go back to John chapter 3, verse 17. It says, for God did not send the Son, Jesus, into the world to judge the world. But he sent the Son that the world should be saved through him. I love this scripture. I love the word saved. Because in the Greek, the word means sozo. And it implies a lot more than what I grew up thinking. I grew up thinking Jesus came to save me and all i got to do is go down the front, pray a prayer, say amen, and then live life and get through this world until I die. And when I die, I'll go to heaven and it'll be wonderful. But until then, it's just going to be getting through this world. But the word means so much more. Jesus came into the world to save his people. It means that he came to deliver his people. Not someday, immediately. I'm telling you this morning, there is power 
He is all-powerful and He can save you. He can deliver you. I'm talking about the depression. I'm talking about the fear. I'm talking about the worry. I'm talking about the issue. Some people have an issue. She had an issue of blood. Some people have an issue of addiction. Jesus can save you. Some people have an addiction, uh, a problem with drugs or maybe alcohol. Some people have an issue of their marriage. He can in a moment change your marriage and restore and breathe life into it. Some of you have a financial issue. (laughs) Jesus owns it all. Some of you have fear in your heart. You're afraid to go out. You're depressed. You're struggling. Whatever the issue is. Jesus came into the world to save and to deliver. That word save means deliverance. It also speaks of healing. Jesus heals. Jesus heals. That's the reason people come to the front and we lay hands on them and we pray for them. We're not just going through religious exercises, but we're believing that God wants to restore and heal somebody. I'm hearing more and more stories about people that were prayed for and God touched and now they had cancer and now the cancer's gone. They, were, had, a, uh, they had a, a certificate of death already and, and now it's changed and they're going to live because they stood in faith and people prayed and God somehow moved. He delivers, He heals, and He takes my soul and prepares me for all of eternity to be with Him in heaven. And it's not one day when I die, but it begins now. I can walk up on this earth in relationship with Him, experiencing and knowing heaven. Why? Because He touched me. I reached out and I said, God, and He touched me. He saved me. This morning, I want to tell you, this Jesus who is all-powerful, and He's made a way for your freedom and salvation, is available for you to cry out to Him and call out to Him, and He can move in your heart and your life. Today is a day of salvation. Today. 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 God says to you, I'm here and I'm all-powerful. In a few moments, I'm going to ask the elders to come up. We've got oil. We can pray for you this morning. If you're sick, James says if you're sick and you need, you need a, a touch from God, come before the elders and let them anoint you with oil and they'll pray for your healing. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, the truth is I don't even have a relationship with this Jesus that you're speaking about. He's available today to be your Savior. Won't you come on up, praise team? He is available this morning to bring salvation. You say, the truth is, Pastor, I'm struggling in all kinds of areas and ways and things that are going on. I'm telling you this morning, you don't have to struggle any longer. We can call upon the name of the Lord. The Scriptures teach us, if you want to be saved, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Jesus wants to move in your heart and your life, I believe, with all my heart. The encounter with Jesus is not just a story that we read about in an actual factual account that took place years and years ago. But Jesus is alive and moving now here in this place. Some of you, even now, God is touching and God is ministering into your heart and God's stirring in your heart saying, could that be for us?
Could that be for our marriage? Could that be for me? Some of you have believed lies for so long. And you think, it's not possible. But I'm here telling you, with all my heart, it's available. It's available. He's available. He changes everything. Pastor, you don't know my circumstances. I don't. He does. He paid a price on the cross. The highest price that could ever be paid when he gave his life as a ransom for you and me. All of the death certificates, all of the pronouncing of death that was over your life was dealt with on the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says that he carried our sins. He carried our afflictions. He carried those things. And he was nailed on a cross. And the Bible says that he hung there and died and they took his body off. And all those that had walked with him were scared to death because they didn't understand. But he was put in a tomb. And three days later, the tomb was examined and he was gone. He had risen from the dead. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me this morning. The same power that resurrected the Lord out of the grave is made available to you and me this morning so that we can be delivered, so that we can be set free, so that we can be healed and delivered. I'm telling you, the Jesus we serve is mighty. Oh, I wish I could bring the woman up here and let her tell you the story. Oh, I wish I could bring the group of people that God ministered to and touched their lives and set them free. I wish I could just get people up here and they could tell you what He's done for them. He's right here this morning. He's right here this morning. All we have to do is call upon Him and say, God, I want the elders to come forward this morning. Praise team, in a few moments, we're just going to begin to worship. And I don't know where you're at this morning. But, but whatever is going on in your life, if you need prayer, I want you to, just as a woman stretched out and touched the hem of his garment, I want you to come and, and let's believe God for some miracles in this place. We serve a miracle-making, moving kind of God. He's awesome. He's not afraid of your issue. He's not ashamed of your issue. He doesn't look at you and say, you're too unclean. No, He makes a way and says, I'll trade you. I'll trade you. I'll fill you with my spirit and I'll set you free. You'll never be the same again. Oh my. (laughs) Elders, the oil's up here. There's somebody in here that needs to be prayed for. We're going to do James chapter 5. We're going to anoint with oil and we're going to pray for a miracle and healing. Somebody in here needs to give their heart to Jesus because they've never walked with Jesus and they think, how could I? You don't understand where I've been. I'm telling you, today's your day. Some of you are in this place this morning and you've been through some stuff. And here's the deal. Nobody knows but you and Jesus. Nobody knows about the abuse. Nobody knows about the struggle. Nobody knows about the sin behind the closed door. Nobody knows why you shy away when you get around people because of the struggle that you faced as a little one. I'm telling you this morning, 
Jesus wants to set you free. So we're going to be here this morning. We're just going to pray. We're going to believe God for some miracles, and then we're going to take communion, and we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Don't leave this place the same way you came in. You can't do it. Don't do it. I didn't even think, I don't even know why I'm at this church. (laughs) You don't have to know. Jesus knows. Well, I've been going to this church for years. I've been teaching Sunday school, and I've been, I've been singing in the choir. And Well, if we had a choir, you could sing in it. I, I, I've been singing all my... Listen to me. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the all-powerful Almighty God, I thank you, Lord, that we can be set free. I thank you, God, that we can be saved, delivered, healed, and eternally set as your child. Lord, in a room like this with this many people, I can't help but believe that you're speaking to some hearts in this place. And so, Father, we surrender this time before you this morning. We ask you, Lord, for healing. We ask you, God, that you touch the heart of the lost. For the one that's in this place, God, that's under condemnation, that's condemned, God, we ask you, Lord, remove the condemnation and set them free. Set them free, Lord. Set them free, Father. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch the hearts and lives of your people in this place. Lord, there are purposes and plans that you've had for people's lives in this place. And Lord, for whatever reason, it was thwarted. Maybe the enemy got in and and caused something to take place. Maybe an individual interrupted something. But Lord, I thank you that you're greater than whatever it was that cut off the purpose and plans that you have for those individuals. And so, Father, we welcome you to remove those barriers in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to set people free, that they may walk in their destiny plans, the purpose that you have for their lives. Lord, just as you touched this, this one life, God, this lady who for 12 years was in bondage, God, we believe that the same power is made available to us in this place this morning. And so, God, we welcome you here. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here to touch the hearts of your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.